The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Okay, welcome back to another episode. Actually, this is our, I think, second or third live episode. We're excited to have another great guest on the show, um, and we'll get to Carrie Ann in a minute. So if you're listening on your favorite podcast directory, be sure to leave a five-star review if possible. You can't do it on all the directories. And if you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe, like us, ring some bells. I don't know, whatever you do when you're, when you're there to, to help us to keep bringing the kind of content and the kind of people that we're bringing today. So let's get on with the show. And then we will introduce uh, Carrie Ann. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, I'm Carrie Ann Powell, and I'm a business strategist, and I own the firm Trafalgar Strategies, where we help business owners run their business smoothly. All right, Carrie Ann, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Are you are you in DC or you were in DC? Actually, right now I'm actually in Florida. Oh, very nice. <laughs> uh, okay. My mother lives here, so I'm sort of visiting. Okay, so that's your mom's house you're in. Yes, yes. All right, well, thank her for letting us use. Your I house. know, right? <laughs> I've banished her from the living room. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Um, okay, so um, I know you're a former attorney. And I believe you used to work in D.C., right, doing some Absolutely, lobbyist work. Absolutely, for 20-something years, yeah. Okay, good. So maybe you can give us your background and your experience and everything that we can work up to what you're doing now and business strategy yeah, and all that sure. type Yeah, sure. Well, I, say, I would say probably when, you know, when I first – my first real sort of career um, coming out of uh, college was I was a professional fundraiser. Um, and I did that with the United Way, cut my teeth there, and then sort of realized that I actually was uh, very concerned about some of the – 
things that we were facing in our communities and sort of national policy issues. So I said, you know, I'm going to go to law school and, okay. uh, and work on, on these problems. So that's what I did. I became an attorney. Um, and uh, was a Washington, D.C. attorney and lobbyist for a number of years, um, did that, loved it. And yeah. um, while I was doing that, um, yeah. they were in the process of building the Martin Luther King Memorial um, in, in, on the National Mall. And right. they were in need of someone to do some you know, heavy lifting on the fundraising. They brought me in. And then within a year, I was heading up the entire fundraising effort. And it well, was over right? $120 million, So Yeah, you had the background. What was that? You had the background for that. Exactly, exactly. And right. I think, you know, you just never really know, right, where, where you're, the things you do right. in your life are going to take you. Right. Did you go to law school in, in D.C. too? No, I went, I was in Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah. You've been all over the place. Yeah. What was that? Okay. You've been all over the place. Yeah, I have been all over the place <laughs> yeah. a little bit. But um, but I, I called I called D.C. home in, in a sense. Right now, I split my time between Madrid, Spain, and in the U.S., but I always consider oh. D.C. home. Okay. Why Spain? I know it's a little off the topic, but... You know, it's a fantastic city. Uh, Madrid's a fantastic city. Spain is a great country. Um, I really was just going there for a year. I was like, I'll just go for a year, kind of, you know, hang out for a bit. But um, I really loved it. And so it's been six years and I'm still doing it. Oh, nice. Okay. So, but now we know you do working with business owners and strategies, work with large corporations and small business owners. And so maybe you can take us through that... uh, I don't know if the word's metamorphosis, but that transition from, you know, I mean, you're doing fundraising and policy and things like that to the to the business world, small business world. Yeah, well, you know, so I've always been doing strategy from the very beginning, even when I was doing fundraising back when, you know, I was uh, started um, the, the, my career. So yeah. obviously strategic uh, planning, being able to sort of look and see what makes sense for an organization in order to achieve big goals. That's really at the end what it is that I do. Um, right. So as I continue to um, you know use those skills and hone them over the years, and the different iterations of my career, um, when it was time to transition out, when we built the memorial and the big pomp and circumstance, the, and the president did the whole thing and the blessed it, then I was sort of thinking about what next steps would be for me. And you know, obviously after doing such a major project, you know, there's nothing really. <laughs> A lot of headhunters were coming and calling. I'm like, nothing was interesting because I just did this fantastic thing. But one of the things right. that I was doing was a lot of people were inviting me to come in and help their boards of directors, help their you know CEOs to be able to sort of create strategy around big projects or within the business, increase revenue, those kinds of things. So I started doing that. And as I kept doing it, then you know I just sort of evolved into sort of creating the company in a way that was really helping um, organizations really develop strong strategy. Not just that, Mitch. I mean, you know the deal. It has to be about execution in the end, right? So okay. making sure that we have a strong strategy, but also a plan to execute. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's how yeah. I eventually moved into um, having the business. Got it. Got it. Yeah, because you can't, you know, a lot of it's leadership. A lot of it is putting people in the right position, empowering them to do it. You know, I look, I know a lot of companies have great strategies and they never get anything. Oh, tell ground. me about it. I mean, the percentages are like, the stats are like horrendous. <laughs> I was yeah, actually in Dallas the other day. Life, right? That's probably like general in life. You say you're going to do something and you don't do it. I mean, it's <laughs> exactly. just, it just carries over to business. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I was in Dallas the other day uh, with, with uh, a relatively new client doing an offsite with him and his, his team. And so I had another client that actually was one of my clients from early days. And I said, oh, you know, let's grab lunch and catch up. And, you know, I went over, saw the office, saw the team, was like high-fiving. And everyone was saying, Carrie Ann, we are still 
execute what well, we well, we just finished executing the final step in the strategy that we created and we just followed it key by key by key as we moved forward and now they have like tripled revenue okay they yeah. bought a land building a new building they're doing all this great stuff all because yes the strategy is vital important they create we created a strong one at the same time it's about following it doing it executing it day by day by day Right. And not questioning it. If you put it in place, I mean, if there's a big problem, then maybe you got to readdress it. But a lot of people drop the drop the ball. So mm-hmm. so are you working more now with larger corporations or are you working with smaller businesses? Well, I work primarily or? with smaller and medium sized companies. So now we're not okay. talking about tiny, you know, sort of startup Startup-y types, but folks person, that have right. been in the business, they're small, but they really want to build something that lasts. So, you know, you've got people who you know, every large company that we look at that we admire, Mitch, was once yeah. a small company, right? Yeah, usually, right. In most cases, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in the end, you know, that's what, you know, those are the people that I work with. They want to build something that lasts. They want to be able to exit it either by selling it for multiples or be able to exit it and give it to the second generation in a way that makes sense. Got it. So a lot of strategies around succession planning and transition and how to, you know, Get a, get something out of your business. A lot of Precisely. business owners don't really think of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're looking for visionaries who have that vision. I mean, look, some people start businesses and that is their vision. I mean, they want to do things, they want to build the business, but ultimately they want to have an exit strategy. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and to be honest, I think that in itself, you know, I talk a lot about obviously, you know, you need to have a passion for what it is that you're doing, yeah. but your passion can be the passion of starting a business and building it. Right. right. I mean, it doesn't have to just be, oh, you know, I just, you know, love the product. I mean, obviously, you should love the product itself. But in the right. end, it can be your passion to be like, I love building businesses that, that last, that have um, some longevity to it. Because in the end, the stakeholders of your company are not just you and the investors. It's your employees. It's your customers. It's of your course. community. It's all of those people. And so if you're building something that uh, considers all of those elements into play, then, you know, those are the kind of people I like to work with. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a good conversation because I talk to a lot of people about this. I think more business owners should go into business or at least once they're running, right? Let's say they're a year or two into business. They got employees now. They got some office space. They're, you know, they're actually doing things. They're making money. I think part of their strategy should be, what do I do? And I don't know, depending on their age, what do I do in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Because yeah. you can't do it two months before you're saying, you know what, I think I'm going to retire in 60 days. Like that's a little, not even three years. I mean, you need years to, to, to equip your business. And a lot of business owners run their businesses to minimize taxes versus maximizing value, which is a choice, but could really come back to haunt you later on. I, I agree with you, Mitch. You know, I really believe, frankly, that once you're starting to build a business, because I mean, you know, your audience, maybe someone in your audience who is just recently starting their business. And I'm saying, yeah. look, starting it with the end in mind. Yeah. Start it with the end in mind. If you know that at some point you want to sell it, then you're you're building a business very differently than if you were building it as sort of a side hustle or if you're building it as a lifestyle thing where you're just sort of doing it so you can you know travel or do whatever you want to do. If you're building a right. business that lasts, you want to have that exit strategy in place or in your mind. Because I mean, I can't tell you, Mitch, the other day someone came to me. This company's been around for about 20 years and okay. they were a manufacturing company. 
Um, and, um, you know, they came, we had a conversation around how, how we could help them. And we're still conversing about that. But one of the challenges that they're dealing with was the company was built by family. Okay. There was two families that are involved in the, in the older generation. Now right. they want to, all of that generation wants to retire and about 75% of the other folks that they probably have a staff about 50 to 60, right? Um, 75 to 80% of the staff below our family members as well, you know, cousins, aunts, you know, whatever yeah, the whole thing. Sure. Big family so business. They have huge family business. There's sort of two families that have kind of um, merged in together. So now the generation that wants to leave, they're like looking and saying, well, uh, you know, we want to leave now because we want to retire right. now. We've got the grandkids, right. the whole thing. And they can't retire right now. They just don't have the structure. To do it. So there's yeah. going to be another 10 years, I would say, right. for some of them, even 15 for them to fully right. implement the things that they need to implement to make it work. I mean, you don't want that, you know, you, you, no. you want to be able to know, okay, here's the plan. This point is when I'm going to retire. Bam, we're good to go. Or if you plan to sell, you know, sell, right. I can sell. So with- maybe the younger generations are like, you know what? I don't want to stick around if you guys aren't here, you know? And that's so then true, Mitch. We gotta. We can't assume. It's kind of like you know, your mom has a wedding dress, assumes you want to wear it to your wedding. You know, you can't assume that they want to take on your business. Obviously, there's some things that you can put in place to sort of you know bring people in. You know, get bring the younger generation in, see if they're liking it. There's an aptitude, that kind of stuff. But if they're not going to want it, then you definitely want to be thinking, well, how can I increase the multiples of how I'm going to sell it? And that right. is really where the value is. Yeah, that's a big that's a big thing. I'm dealing with some cannabis companies now that are, you know, going into the business with the with the anticipation of exiting in three to five years or whatever. And there are certain things they could do to get a higher multiple than the average three to five, you know, multiple, because ultimately that's what you want to do. And there's investors involved. But, yes. you know, I've been involved in a lot of businesses, especially like you said, family owned businesses where the owner, let's say it's one guy, right? Maybe it's two brothers or something are in their 70s or 80s, right? And they've basically been running this entire company. Everything goes through their office. They're like, well, you know, what are you doing? You got to do this. Well, I go ask dad, you know, whatever. And dad now has a health issue or whatever. And he's going to either, you know, leave, sell the business. They're trying to then piecemeal this business together. They're trying to argue that, you know, well, there really is revenue. It's just that we're paying for everything for the family. They all have cars. They all get health insurance. They all get, right? And it's creating losses, and now you're doing what I call magic math to try and like cobble this thing together and say, well, if you and I, Carrie Ann, bought the business, we wouldn't have all these expenses. So therefore, we'd have half a million dollars of extra revenue. Yes. But then you find out that there's other people that might not stay or that when this guy leaves, you got to get three people to replace him mm-hmm. because of all the things that he was juggling. Yes. And it's not. Yeah. I mean, strategy is important. And I don't think a lot of businesses think of it that way. They don't use the word strategy. They're just like employed by a company they also happen to own and they're just going in every day and they they're not strategic about it like that's what business planning is all about right you write a business plan because it's a strategic plan yes right that you can change and work with and mold it's not going to be a straight line but yeah yeah i I think and it's 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 interesting when you because you are obviously looking for you know open-minded certain kind of people like it's you know it's not supposed to be painful for you too so right exactly a lot of people who need my help and who need your help (laughs) just aren't going to get there right we're not going to hire them or let them hire us i guess it's a better word right no that's true you know you said something that i thought was really interesting you said you don't know if people think of it as strategy and one of the one of the things that i really am trying to help people understand particularly in the small medium-sized space is that look guys 
you know, strategy is not some high level hoity toity up in the heavens right. kind of a thing. Um, right. It's about where do you, where are you, where do you want to go and what, how do you plan to get there? That's basically right. what strategy is. I know back in the day, people wanted to make it seem like they were kind of, you know, so intellectually astute that they can, right. I mean, look, I, I've, I've was, I cut my teeth on strategy. I've been to a zillion and one strategy, strategic planning sessions. And I get that there's a certain desire to make it seem as if it's so much more in the air, but it's not. Right. And one of the things no. that I do with my methodology is bring it down to the ground and say, look, you, where do you, where are you? Not really, really, where are you? Because a lot of people right. just don't even know where they are in the business. No, right? that's another so problem. Where, are yeah, you? where exactly do you want to be? within a particular time frame, And then here are, here's a strategy and how we're going to get there. And that's yeah. really what strategic planning is. Right. right. So I, right. I, I do think, yeah, there's a thought process out there like, Oh, it's kind of out there. No, it's, it's right here on the ground. Right. Well, if you boil it down, then it's usable for them. It's understandable for them. It's digestible, yeah. you know, to them. But I, you know, I think it comes down to like, you know, four major categories, which probably make up a business plan anyway. But, you know, it's like your service or product. It's your people, mm -hmm. which I think very often business owners, especially small to medium sized businesses, they don't recognize that it doesn't have to be all them. Like there's a lot of things that the business owner or a couple of business owners do that they shouldn't be doing. Yes. First of all, it may be, you know, lower paid work. Mm -hmm. And second of all, maybe they don't have the skills to be the the CEO at the next level of the business. We right. see that. You can a lot. hire yeah. a professional yeah. CEO. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> right. If you want to get to the next level, because yeah. you're not going to do it on your own. You were the entrepreneur. You were the visionary. The you visionary. started four employees. They got yeah. And you need an HR person and, yeah. and all those types of stuff. And then I would say it's probably like, you know, your marketing, your business development, knowing your marketplace and knowing your customer, which I think is a huge issue. Right. Everybody thinks this is why customers buy from me. And you and I both know nine times out of 10, they're completely wrong. Not right. That's not why they're question. buying for me. You need, right. You know, you don't even know what business you're in because really of a truth. Some people are like, oh, yeah, I'm in this business, but then you start looking, you're like, actually, no, this is the other business that you're actually in. And so if, right. you, if you posture yourself that way, you can not only expand your customer base, but allow for some efficiencies of scale so you can actually sell the business as opposed to just growing. I mean, there's a lot of discussion that I have with clients around how to, you know, so the people that come to me usually are either, you know, they, they want to scale. And, it, and they're not scaling, you know, or they 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 can't walk away from the business without feeling like it's going to implode or they're coming in. Their team right. is not functioning as well, sort of subpar team or, you know, they're really having some cash problems, which, by the way, Mitch, those four reasons are the much primary reasons why businesses fail. So, you know, these are not things just to sort of snooze around. But yeah, when it no. comes to scaling, you know, a lot of times, you know, you sort of look at this issue around around scaling the business and, you know, there's like, OK, do we have a strategy just for the scaling process? Because the business that you have, you had a great strategy to grow the business, and that's fine. Early days, it's all about growth, right? But at some point, you do need to be able to look at how you can create a hockey stick on your on your charts. And a lot of companies are not doing that. So they think they're right. growing. Oh, we have more, cost, more customers, blah, blah, blah. But look at the rate in which you're growing. Your expenses are growing at the same rate as your revenue. So right. this is not a scaling yeah. company. It's not always better. Yeah. Right. Law firms are yeah. notorious for that. They're just growing and growing and growing. Now they got you know five million in revenue, and all the partners are making half of what they were making when they had two and a half million in revenue. Right. Because they, you know, their expenses outpace their. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, their growth. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people don't recognize that it takes a different set of skills, or it takes maybe not the different people or people in different places to yeah. go to the next 
to the next level. So I think, and, and I think getting back to what business you're in mm-hmm. and knowing your customer is, is so important because if something changes and your business changes or you, because you think you were doing this and you're servicing and they're buying for this reason, yeah. and that's not really why something changed, you don't realize it. And you're like, why did business drop 30%? What's going on? It's because you've been servicing the marketplace this way. Yes. And that's not why people were doing it. Yeah. And you changed what it was, the reason that they were actually buying. Yeah. You didn't know it. And I, yeah. I think it's a dangerous way. I think a lot of business owners don't recognize that. You're so right, Mitch. I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think that's one of the reasons too. you know, one of the the eight elements that I always talk about um, in in really thriving for a business such as a small and medium sized business is really looking at the idea of how are you optimizing and how are you innovating? Right. So those two things, everyone seems, oh, well, you know, small businesses are the, you know, the the seat of innovation. Yes, because we're agile. And so our our innovation Mm -hmm. comes out of necessity. But if you don't have a system and process in which you are innovating the process of innovation, and in the, on the flip side of that, the process of optimization, then you get hit when things change and you don't realize it. You don't even recognize when things are changing. So right. if you have, even if you have someone in your business that's, I mean, there's different ways to make sure that you're innovating all the time, but one way could be just even having someone in the business that's all about the innovation, or you can have a committee in the business that, you know, is about focusing on innovation, or you might even, you know, you know, if you're in a position to be able to, you know, acquire a smaller business that is yeah. that that gets you innovated in a particular area of the industry. The point is here that you cannot rely. I mean, particularly nowadays where everything changes so quickly. Right. I mean, so the other quick. day, AI was a you know dream in the sky and now it's real. Yeah. It's real. real, real. Right so yeah. if you can find ways that you're constantly innovating in your business, it's a process the same way. Your payments are a process, the way you fulfill is a process, the way you innovate is a process. That way, you're not hit on the side. You're not side side swiped because you're like, oh, wait, I didn't even know that was happening. I didn't know my customers were changing in this way. It gives you the, the upper hand and you feel more in control. And that is where you get some leverage. Now, you don't want to be on the cutting edge or the leading edge of innovation because that takes a lot of money. Right. But if you could be right on the following of the leading edge of innovation, you so you know what's happening in the industry, decide, but you do not want to be in the lagging part of innovation because Right. You want to keeping be keeping up, but not necessarily the one who's blazing trails and yes. making mistakes. Let, let the big dogs do that because they have the right. money for loss, right? But come right. right behind them. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's uh I think it's important. It all fits into growth and stuff like that. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial break? Um we'll We'll um, cover the people that are paying us a little bit of money. Absolutely. And then we can come back and maybe we could talk about some stories. You don't have to obviously give away yeah, yeah. You know, private information. I love but stories. <laughs> stories about things that, you know, you were able to turn around or things you see people do wrong or advice for people. And, uh, and we'll do that in the second half of the show. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Perfect. Okay. Sounds good. Hold on. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. 
For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts, as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right. Uh, thanks for hanging in there for two minutes. So um, one of our sponsors, uh, the Alternative Board, is, you know, one of those um, sounding board type of a things where you can join. I'm a big advocate of, you know, having advisors and using colleagues who can be your advisors and, you know, not doing it on your own and doing it for them, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. All right. So it's story time now. So <laughs> I want to share, you know, things you've seen people, uh, you know, that you see, you, we started alluding to it before, but more specifically, you know, things you've seen people do right and things that they do wrong. And then, you know, advice as to yeah. what well, you know, one of my favorite stories that I always, you know, I, I just tout this, 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 this client of mine, because she just really was fantastic. So, you know, we, we had been working together before, um, before the pandemic and she was, you know, had some business goals that were in place and we were working, you know, strategically towards achieving them. However, when, um, when COVID hit, you know, obviously, um, she, her company is a, um, as a gaming company, that particular company has, is regulated. She's, uh, based out of, based in Europe, has, um, offices in Latin America, um, and, different parts of Latin America as well as in the continent of Africa and obviously in Europe. So there, the particular service that they provide is quite regulated. So when COVID hit, they, um, it, things looked really, really down because I mean, it was just, it was really sad to see. So they provide things, I remember like having, casinos and things like that around the world, like casinos and stuff. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there was sort of online gaming. Yeah. Right. Oh, online game. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, so it's even, it's even worse because, you know, obviously the buildings were closed. That was different, but like the online things were also regulated as well. Right. Right. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, I mean, I just remember, you know, we were having this conversation. It was the week after, I mean, I had a lot of tears <laughs> on several conversations with my yeah. clients after the, the, the close down order um, took place. And in Europe at the time, it was much more st- strict than in the U S yeah, right. nonetheless. Sure. Um, you know, she literally was like, I am going to have to, you know, they had some, they had some buffer. Okay. She's a wise, savvy businesswoman, but the buffer wasn't going to keep them going for, you know, way too long. And we had no idea how long this road was going to take. No, I thought us. it would be like six weeks. We'd be back at work. Right? <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was like, yeah, no, this I is going to be nothing. 
you know. <laughs> so, you know, literally there was a lot of tears that, that, that week afterwards with many of my clients, yeah. but that particular, she was like, I'm going to have to close down. You know, she loves her team. Her team is fantastic. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, most of them are obviously in Spain, but some of them are in other parts of the country, other parts of the world. She's like, I'm going to have to let them go. This is going to be awful. And she just sort of, you know, was in that place where I think many people were. Right. It's like, okay, so we're not what we're not going to do. We can cry right now. We can wallow a bit, you know. We do can, it a little bit. Get we, it we over can, with. We can recognize the gravitas of the situation. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. then I'm like, we're not going to do is we're not going to close you close down, okay? So we did a yeah, – Was there, was there um, government support in other countries like there was here? Like we had well, this whole- I mean, there – you know, you know. look, here's the deal. I, I think it, it was very difficult in the end for, for many governments because they were trying to manage the crisis – and the, the how to manage the economic part of it was sort of second on the table because, you know, people were actually dying. So yeah, there was this dying. balance. Yeah. Um, there was some support in the end, but it was it was a little bit tail towards the tail end of it. So if you think about businesses that didn't have a lot of buffer, which, you know, yeah. look, a lot of small businesses, I'm not going to knock it, but a lot of small businesses don't have that kind of yeah. buffer. No, they don't. It's cash flow. Absolutely. It's, a, it's totally cash flow. So Yeah, cash flow stops. you got a big problem. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. the beginning stages was very difficult for many. But right. the work we did together, well, first thing that we did was like, okay, let's sort of think about what other um, products and services that you can provide that are okay. not a part of the regulated side of the business. And, you know, at first it was like, there is none, you know, that whole, you know, this is my business. Kind of like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then what else could there be? Right. And right so since she- that's not operating right now. <laughs> right. I would think like online gaming, though, was big during the pandemic. No. Well, in Europe, they were very, they, they were very regulated. Oh, very, okay. very regulated, as well as other parts of Latin America, too. I mean, in the U.S., I don't think they regulated it as much, but because the yeah. idea was all these people that were sort of home, we don't want the people at home who are just like having all this time to then be spending time racking up because debt. gamblers and mm-hmm. alcoholics. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. I mean, I, you know, whether, you know, everyone's on the political side, I'm not really there, but the point was for her, she had to come up with some additional um, ways of, 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 of yeah. servicing her clients. And one of the things, I mean, that she hadn't done, she, she does carry, she does carry the strategy of the business on her shoulders, at least before then she did. And I'm like, let's bring the team and you have a team that's been loyal to you for a number right. of years. They know the business. They're the ones on the ground. They're in the field, right? Bring them in. And she started right. really allowing her team to sort of be more a part of the higher level conversations. And that alone was like oxygen, right? You go up, you know, you're flying in an airplane and you're going right. up, going up. And at some point you get up and you're above the clouds and it's just the beautiful space. It's like right. that. So she started really getting a lot of folks in the team, the leaders in the team, the folks that have been there for a bit, really coming in and saying, hey, on the ground here in Brazil, this is what people are doing. And here, whatever, this is what they need. And they're able to yeah. really come up with some good strategies. They were able to come up with a couple of products that worked. Then okay. just in terms of her deciding to take care of her team, I told them, look, your team is feeling as uncertain as you. If you're if you're sitting here with me crying, they're feeling even more uncertain. Oh, yeah. They're going home because they don't have – Right. Don't so, find a, so we came up with some strategies to get them to feel more certain. First, she made sure that she was providing food for them. It was, I mean, it was great. Like she really went into the coffers and sending out lunch once per week, like really nice lunch, you know. To each of the each of her her team members, obviously for some of the countries are a little different, but but right. team members that, around the world for her though, right? They're different places, right? It was from different yeah. places, but I mean, you know, obviously, so, you know, different 
it was a thing. But the point is she was committed to taking care of them and letting yeah. them know, look, I've got you. That alone made like, put some oxygen in the, in the room a bit for them. And they're like, okay, okay. And then the third thing they did was sort of look and see, okay, now that we are taken care of, they, their meetings, the style of their meetings changed, right? But, you know, it was really about, okay, not just, okay, how are you doing, blah, 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 because right. a lot of companies were doing that. But, okay, what next, what other thing can we bring in? And what other new thing can we bring in? What other new thing? Right. And really it became definitely more of like, and to the point now where there's, you know, they're back obviously doing, but to the point where now they have a whole cadre of products and services that they're putting in to Still the point to where day. it expanded. They hit, they surpassed the million, you know, cause yeah. they, they wanted to, at the time that we met, it was like, okay, we wanted to sort of get to the million. They surpassed the million. Okay. And so they're very well pa- going into the multiples in the millions. Two, they were voted for, were voted best company to work for, one of the oh. top best companies to work for in, in their industry. And three, one of the things that she always wanted to do, she'd already given, she'd already used to give sort of bonuses, um, but they were sort of static bonuses. Okay. Then, so she was able to budget them and that was what she was giving. Now right. they're performance-based bonuses of the company's performance. So now the, the, the employees really feel like they are part of it. And it's just, you know, it's like, what's the, like the sky's the limit for them at this right. point. And right. that was coming at a time during many businesses in her industry no longer exist, no longer right. exist. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I think the, the word was resilience and pivot during the – and some people really soared. But maybe it was also because she was fortunate enough to have met you. Like she wasn't on her own doing it because I think it's all like a parent and child thing, right? You're running the business. You don't want to tell your children and make them worry and – We'll yeah. get through this, but it takes a lot of pressure off of you to bring in everybody and say, hey, we're in this together. What can we do to yeah. to make it better? And then ultimately made it even, yeah. even you know, it was a big silver lining yeah, for yeah. them. No, I, 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 I give her, you know, I give her all the credit because really of a truth, it, it's, it was a difficult time. I mean, I was, I mean, when I work with clients, I'm in their books. So I saw the numbers, you know, and, and I saw how that, that thing went from here, the revenue for that month and then went down. So I, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a false with false fear for her it was real and she had to dive in and deepen bring in some money that were maybe not even you know some of the money that she was thinking she was going to be able to use for other investment but she was able to use that investment into other parts of the business to support her team to build out new products and as a result you know she's flying sky high yeah no, it all kinds of comes together. I was looking at it that way. If all the cylinders are firing like you want them to, where would you be? And and you just see the abundance. You just gotta. That's where strategy really comes in. That you gotta work the plan. You gotta stick with it, or else you're just putting out fires all day. Yes. You know, yes. I'm a big person for journaling things and lists and reminders, and it's because things distract you all. The, and I don't even have employees anymore. Now it's just me. Yeah. I used to have a whole team, and you could just get distracted so easily. Forget about during the pandemic. It was like the world was on fire. Yeah. 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 So you were in Spain during the pandemic? Yes, I was. Yes. Oh, that must have been. Yeah. It it was, it was a moment. Yeah. Because they were much more strict. So we were indoors the whole entire three months in the beginning stages and, and people died. It was, it was sad. It was a moment in time. I mean, like you only could leave to go to the grocery store and it was kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure they didn't have like Instacart, right? You pull up and they fill up your well, car. Well, you know and- what? Right. Well, at some point, to be, I'll be honest, Mitch, I'm old school. I never used to really order. 
things like you know so i, I wasn't one of those people that used uber eats right, in the, the store the way <laughs> but the grocery store obviously i live to, i live to the center of the city so you know i would just like it's just like a grocery store i like you three grocery walk. stores a block away but right. um it's still you know i would be like i have to go to the grocery store today for nothing i just wanted to get <laughs> right you want to get out yeah i just want to go buy some milk I just go buy right. some fruit. but that counts you're allowed to get out for that it's the grocery store and the pharmacy those are the two places that we're allowed to go <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so what is um, pandemic aside, right? W- what do you think is the is the characteristics or something that you see with the people you work with that makes them like more successful versus, you know, the ones that struggle? You know, Mitch, that's a really good question. To be honest with you, now you know, almost ten years in, I kind of been thinking about writing a book about it. I yeah, think no. that there are people the. And this is where I'm really a champion of small and medium-sized businesses because um, it's people who come into a business and they want to build a business that lasts. I know that it's very trendy right now to kind of build something, you know, a lifestyle business that you can kind of, you know, pull from. And then, you know, when you're gone, you're gone. Um, But if you come up with the idea, if you step into it, like I'm building something that's going to last even right, with if that you in your just, mind at the beginning, you mean, right? A mindset in the beginning, yes. Okay. And and look, look, we all evolve and grow. So it's not about saying, oh, you know, right now you're, you're feeling this right, way. You're so, in time. But at some point, if they come to me and they're like, no, I want to build something that lasts. Okay, right now what I have might be doing fine and you know, it's feeding the family, whatever. You know, it has a couple employees. But if they say, no, I want to build something, that's a mindset shift that people are different. Like they just operate different. They hire different. When I was with one of my clients, this, you know, this in Dallas the other day, I mean, just this past week, um, this, this company, I mean, the team at the table, the leadership team at the table were just the sharpest, smartest, well-credentialed individuals that all of these folks, I mean, some of them have worked for like massive, like massive companies and leadership levels, but they all want to work for this company because they have a, there's a vision that there's a there's a view of the future for the company, and they're like, I'm gonna bet my because people like there's a, there's a sort of this I don't know what you say, a myth out there that people don't want to work and people are lazy. That is just I don't know who came up with that. Myth. It's not true. It's off. It's false. Human nature is people want to work for people where there is an there is a project or an idea or a vision that is bigger than themselves. So if right. you are having people in your business who aren't doing the thing, it's because you're not a good leader. You don't have a right. strong vision. You're not yeah. doing what you need to do because right. people want to be a part of something uh, bigger than themselves. And you, you can attract the smartest, you can attract the most qualified, smartest, sharpest, most self-motivated people. And you can compete f- with the big dogs. You know, there are people in that room who, could have worked who were once working for McKinsey and are now working for that for that for my client because they want to work there. So my right. point is, and there, this is a you know small, medium-sized company. Yeah. So my point is the first thing is, do you want to build something that lasts? And do you right. want to build it in the highest standard that you can in your industry? And that is the first thing that I think makes makes a difference as to when that someone succeeds or whether someone fails. The right. second thing is, do you believe in your team? Like, do you, you know, if you just want to kind of have it all by yourself and be the bottleneck in your company, you can do that, but you're never going to scale. And you're not going to grow. Yeah. So you right. can do that and feel all, you know, look at me, I'm Mr. Big Shot. Okay, fine. You're never going to scale that way. 
However, right. if you're willing to say, I can bring people in and allow for them to use their giftings, their, you know, give them the space for them to thrive, because not everyone's yeah. going to be an entrepreneur, Mitch. Come on. So the people that want to work for someone. A lot of people entrepreneurs shouldn't be entrepreneurs. They should be working. <laughs> Exactly. Let them work, though. Let them do it. So if you want to have a good right, team, right. that's the second thing. If you believe in people, yeah. then I think and build a strong team. So it's leadership and vision and right. having a strong team. Those two yeah. things that can weather the storm. That can weather the storm. Yeah, I, th I think that if you're if you're not delegating and you're doing a lot of stuff yourself, you got to kind of look inside and say, "Am I doing that because I'm holding on to the business, or I don't trust my people?" And maybe you got to get new people. I know that's hard sometimes, but or they're just in the wrong position. Sometimes that's the case, right? They're just, you know, the one person who was with you from the beginning. Now she's managing the whole office and all the administration. The whole company's relying on her, and yes. she's overwhelmed and she doesn't say no to anything. Exactly. She's, she's like, "Okay, whatever. Yeah, give it to Carrie, and she'll do it. You know, yeah. you keep taking it off." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, that person, you have to like give them two months off and say, listen, we're going to pay you for two months. You go away and we're going to see if we can still run, well, the can run the company. Yeah. Yeah. Because some companies become so dependent on like one or two people. Oh, for sure. For sure. Doing stuff. Yeah. For it's, sure. It's, not, it's certainly not a growth strategy. You know, one of the things, one of the exercises that I do with people around sort of staffing, because, you know, again, remember those four things that I mentioned, I call those the symptoms of chaos. So they'll come in and say, oh, you know, I can't walk away from my business because blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. I don't. I think that's just a simple symptom. The real reasons the, yeah. are are the eight reasons that I, that I sort of talk about. But one of the things, if it, if it's a staffing issue, I will do this. And I came up with this idea because you know um, what's his name's book, um, the E Myth. You might remember, yeah, right? um, back Michael in the day, Gerber. right, Michael Gerber. And he said something about that. I I read that book years and years ago, and that's what I do right now. With I'm working with my clients, I create. Yeah. I, I have them create basically, you know, company. 2.0. So run your company the way it is. Well, say it's a staffing issue. Okay. okay. Keep running your company the way it is. Let's now create company 2.0. If you were coming in new and looking at your business and the business you want to create, what kind of organizational chart would you create now? And right. then who, what type of person would you need to be in that role? What right. qualifications, what personality type, what things that they need to do, and then create a job description and a, and a, and a, and a job commitment form for that role 2.0. Now right. take a look and at your current business. Right? It's usually very different than what they're looking at now. Right? right, right. Now look at your current business and see how does your current business compare to 2.0 org chart. And then right. you start doing the work. Sometimes a lot of people are worried, like, oh, I'm going to have to fire my team. No, you don't have to fire the whole team. Um, but you need to start looking around, at seeing the responsibilities. who can you move around? Who can you train? Who can you upskill? What can I run? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a few people that you might need to say, okay, it's time for you to transition. Maybe, yeah. Right, right. But Absolutely. for the most part, though, for the most part, it's really just moving people around, retraining, upskilling, doing some things so that you can get the right people in the right roles in your company. Once you do that, then things really move. I can't tell you, I had a client who, you know, we started doing it. She was like, oh, you know, I need strategic planning. I started the whole thing. Now she's been with me for a bit, but when I first went on and I started having the conversations with her team, oh yeah. my God, Mitch, it was toxic in there. She did not know, but it was toxic. Right. She wasn't even aware of it. She like she's wasn't oblivious. aware. I mean, she knew like, again, it goes back to there's a symptoms of chaos, but she doesn't know what right. the root cause is. But I realized the root cause was somehow she had 
uh, broken trust. Okay. Her team didn't trust her and there were a few bad apples. Yeah. Just, you know, so this it's both sides of the coin. And then, so then, you know, really the recommendation was there were a few that needed to walk away. They needed to be let go. And there were some yeah. that needed to be moved into different seats. Some that needed to be retrained. There needed to be some mending of trust, but right. all of those things can be done. So I don't want anyone listening to this thinking, I've kind of messed up my company because I haven't been leading very well. You know, like that's fine, right. but now's a good time to start. Right. Today. To fix. Yeah. <laughs> I find it's very common for like, um, what had happened to us recently? We went to, we had a problem with our car mm-hmm. and uh, broke. And then we went to a couple of places and we ended up at this one place and they're obviously having trouble finding parts. And my wife's all upset and everything, but that's the nature of what's going on in the world right now. Yes, right? of course. The guy who runs the shop, is not the owner because I know who the owner is. He's a nice guy. Yeah. This guy is so rude. Mm. You'd think like we're doing him a favor. By coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure, and I'm not going back there again. Well, I'm going to let not. the fix the car parts coming in. We're going to get it fixed. I'm just not going back because what do I need to be treated? And I have a feeling that the guy who owns the business, he's there and he doesn't know. He's right. He doesn't know. He has no idea. Right. And this guy's been with him forever mm-hmm. and he just called me up. He literally called us and said, well, you better call me uh, this day because uh, make sure that part's in. I'm like, well, you're going to – I'm going to call you. You call me. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? We're- <laughs> yeah. So like could you imagine like us doing that, like calling up and saying, listen, uh, you know, if you need legal help, you better call me. <laughs> if, if that contract needs to be written or we're going to close uh, on that business. You oh, know, I like, know. I, oh, I know. Oh, I know. It, it, it's sort of like you see that a lot. You know, I'm going to be going to Kentucky next week um, to a, a, a medical a conference for 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 shared practice um, individuals, and I was, you know, I'm preparing like my talk, and I kept thinking to myself around, and it's going to be about scaling and growing, and I all I can think about is that is the nurse at some of the doctor's offices that are just just mean and not very yeah, responsive to the business, and I'm just like, eighty <laughs> percent of your interaction is with the front desk the and the front nurse. desk nurse, yeah. And they're all nurses. They're just switching off the front desk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I know. And the doctors are just in the clouds. They have no. Yeah. They have. Yeah. They have no. Yeah. We've. I, look, I've called medical offices. They're like, well, you know, we we don't we don't take your injury. We, we I had my doctor's office. I guess it's a big practice, huge, and my wife's getting some other procedure. So it's a different office, right? But they're all in the same system. It's all electronic. <laughs> Oh, we don't take they we get this letter. We don't take your insurance is what it's gonna cost. I go, what are you talking about? Are the whole family or patients <laughs> of the practice? Well, well, we can't find this in our we and, can't find the database. Yeah. They sent my wife this bill, like it was like frightening to her. Yes. Like, what the hell? It's like colonoscopy or some some procedure like a like, yeah, an important one, right. Get paid for this, supposed to be covered. So you deal with that stuff all the time, but they weren't even like nice about it. Oh no, right. Exactly. Like, we're doing stuff wrong. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I think you know, owners. And I, and I know the deal. I know what day-to-day looks like for, you know, business owners, you know, particularly as they grow and they're trying to delegate to people and not be in it. But you do need to have quality assurance processes in place. Again, everything ha- needs a process so that you cannot be having to, like, worry that maybe the quality assurance of your customer service is not no working. Idea. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I was talking to, I was listening to someone on a, on a podcast and they were like, oh, you know, everyone loves uh, Chick-fil-A's customer service, right? Everyone's like, oh my God, they're so happy, blah, blah, blah. They're very nice, and yeah. I'm like, and the, and the person interviewing, I said, was great. She's like, that's a process. Do you think everybody walks every day? They're all chipper? No, they have their own lives to lead, but it's a process in the yeah. system on how to say my pleasure. <laughs> right?
Yes. Cool. What, what's the air, airlines like that too? Southwest is very. Yes, yes, yes. Versus other ones because it's yeah. all training. Yeah. Like to be those companies. You don't have to be, you know, Microsoft to be, have these large. You can be a friendly, small company, easy to work with. People talk. And it, by the way, then it feeds off of like reviews and recommendations and referrals. Yes. And, you know, instead of me not going back to the shop, I would. Exactly. Friends who need, you know, exactly. oh, you know these guys are great. They're going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about it. Right. And it makes you just yeah. makes you breathe. It makes you breathe. Right. And then, of course, you become a a loyal customer, a raving fan, as Tony Robbins always says, you know, so yeah. you just want to make sure like these, this again is systems. This is not just, Oh, I'm going to hire really fun, energetic people. No, it's you hire people. Cause most people want to, again, most people want to work for a place where the vision is bigger than themselves and they're self motivated. Right. So you right. hire that, then you train. This is how we do it here. But if right. you don't know your secret sauce, if you don't have a system in place to say, this is how we do it here, whether it's customer service, whether it's how you make sure that you have, you know, parts in stock, whether right. it's what, you know, how we make sure that we end, that we are collecting and being on top of our accounts receivables and our accounts payable. If it's not, if you don't have any process around that, then it's willy nilly. Right. And if well, everyone has to come to you and have you to sign old. something, yeah, the employees, you have a bottleneck. Yeah. And everybody's nice. I mean, that would make sense to you, but don't, don't assume those things. I think it's right. And also, look, employees need to manage things. Like, like this guy didn't need to be rude. The fact that he couldn't get the part in for a week. Uh, he asked for our car like on a Monday, and we could we were going to drop it off the next day. And he says, you know, well, let's wait. I don't have the part in yet. I says, then why did you want my car on a Monday? I don't, you know, so he's not mad. He doesn't care. You know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. People don't. They have what's the word? They have to like get believe in and like it's almost like acquired ownership right you you treat it like you own the business yes. because you appreciate the environment and how you know and a lot of people don't do that i think business owners do take it for granted that their employees are going to figure it out on their own yeah right and yeah. they don't and i mean they look don't. you can decide that you can you again it's all a process if you want the the brain thrust of your employees to be a part of your decision making then make that a process so that if yeah. you know, okay, if you know, because if you look, if your employees are on the ground, then they're saying, no, customers, when they come in, that they need this, they don't do that. That's fine. But then we have a process for changing the way we all do it. Right. Not just randomly because. Right. Because then you don't get any, it's not strategic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a huge problem. You, you know, want. one of the, one of the, one of the, one of my uh, 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 good friends, she does um, one of her things that she loves to do on her spare time is uh, teach spin classes on, um, you know, okay. bicycles or bikes. As a sidekick. And, and she, um, she was doing this, uh, so she does this, but she herself is a project manager in a large corporation. Got so it. anyway, she happens to, her, her personality type is one in which she, um, you know, she's going to do something, she's going to do it well, right? So she's working there doing spin, and she's one of the best spin instructors, meaning the her the, the people come to her class all the time they just it's consistent so she's basically a good um a draw for the company okay so instead of saying so there's so there, the company's having some problems every all me all all fitness agencies are having a hard time coming out of the yeah. black Phillip from covid which we understand okay right. fine right. and instead of them saying okay let's bring the top three spin instructors and do a training on what are you doing in the company that's right. making your, your your folks come? They're just saying, oh well, you know, 
they just, you know, they're just really nice people and people like them. No, there's something that they're doing that's causing this, not just because they have a great personality. Right. And and I think that's the thing. We, we owners often don't recognize that their employees can bring value, but not in a random way. There still has to be a process around it. Right. But you can create a whole manual, a whole training manual and, and, you know, all kinds of directives from asking those questions. It's like, she's almost like a customer of the, of the gym, right? She's because she's running these classes and it's her side job or whatever. Yeah, She can get all the, all the feedback. I just, I, it's, it, it amazes me though, even with this conversation that I constantly see business owners and meet companies that are just at a, you know, at a, at a touch with, with oh, their completely employees. out of touch. Yeah, completely out of yeah. touch, completely right. out of touch. And, you know, yeah. from a bigger perspective, Mitch, and this is where I, I get more philosophical, you know, in the U S 90% of businesses are small and medium size. Two thirds of people that are employed in the U S are employed by a small and medium sized company in Europe and Asia and Africa. It's large. It's like 99%. This is not yeah, a small number. So right. in terms of thinking about the role you play and the gravitas and the importance that you play in your communities, in your nation, if your nation's economies, this is not a time for you to be flim flamming around, right? You have, right. your business is important. The role you play is important. And so right. this is not just a, oh, it's something I do. No, you're in business, you're an owner, and you're impacting the GDP of your nation and the, and the, the tax base of your community. Do it right. Yeah, right. No, we all, we're all part of the same team. Well, we're killing each other, all yeah. stupid stuff. But um, let's, you know, I, I want to ask you a question because um, I deal with a lot of, you know, I've seen a lot of people that work in your space. Let's call it business consulting just to make it broad. Yeah. Okay. How do you, what do you do for business development from a strategic? I always wonder when I meet these business consultants, like local people, coaches, whatever, they were used to be an executive and now they're working with. Yeah. How do you develop your business because you're working with people around the world. Yeah. How do you how do you do that? Do, so you know it's it's been an evolutionary process for me, right? Mm-hmm. So when I first went into business back in 2014, I had a, a, a great network of people because I was a Washington D.C. lobbyist and a, you know attorney, and had a great number of, of folks that were just saying, "Oh, Carrie Ann's doing this," you know. Um, I right. need you know network. Now. Yeah, I, I need help here, and I always tell people too, you know, look. Still, even if you have a strong outbound um, marketing, outbound sales process, you're, you know, there's still money in your network and there's still money in your Rolodex. And I know the word no Rolodex is no longer trendy, but you're still money there. you know. I just talked to you last night. (laughs) These these little young people don't know anything about a Rolodex, okay? You know what that means? I'm like, of course. I used to have a Rolodex. So (laughs) So anyway, so there's still money there. But nonetheless, so in the early days, it was really primarily my, my, my network. Um, and then as I began to evolve and grow, and I'm still trying out new things because like every there's always a new thing, and I'm always being willing to spend a little bit of you know resource and investment in trying it out. But one of the things that I do do is first I do a great deal of um, of just speaking at conferences, speaking at okay. workshops, making myself known out there in that space. Kentucky, for example, yeah, yeah. So right, and and podcasts and so forth, just to sort of you know be out in this space. One, it helps you. Put your finger on the pulse. And two, mm-hmm. it also, you know, someone might hear what you're saying and say, maybe not today, but, you know, three months from now, they're like, wait, oh, my God, I have this problem. That girl who spoke, you know, with the curly right. hair, let me reach out to her. OK, right. so there's that. And that does help in business development quite a bit. And I've been doing that for a number of years. I used to do executive roundtables, that kind of thing. OK, fine. Okay. 
Another thing, though, that I do do is, you know, again, back to my fundraising days, people are like, oh, outbound, out, outbound, you know, marketing and outbound sales is dead. No, it's not. You pick right, up the no. phone, you call people, you send an email, yeah. you call people. You, are, you Obviously, you want to prospect the right person who you think could really gain value from it. But this still works because people are busy. They're not like real, actual, savvy business owners are not hanging out on social media. I mean, I do have social media presence. I do. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm doing a lot of things there. But the reality is that for us, you know, there are people out there that are busy doing the things. And so, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I reach out and I kind of said, hey, you know, we have a team of folks who are doing this and they're going out there and saying, hey, we, we think we can help you. And most of the times it does. I didn't raise 120 mil plus million dollars sitting around doing TikTok videos. Right. Exactly. We were reaching out. We were reaching out. So I do yeah. believe, I still believe in outbound re- out route reach out. Right. Um, outbound, so you would um, target somebody okay. like, let's say you, you, you see a company and you're like, well, I like what they're doing over there. I'd like to meet the owner. And then you figure a way to right, find a way to, to make it relevant, not spammy, but make it relevant in a way. Um, and then oftentimes I believe in getting out there and going to events, you know, yeah, actually so. going to events where your clients are, not right. your peers, your clients, right. right? Yeah. It's not social hour. It's nice to have a drink, but you still want to make it, you know, you'll be home with your family. <laughs> exactly. that's, what I, that's how I look at it. If I'm not going to an event that's valuable to me, I might as well be home with my kids and my wife. I mean, precisely, what? right? Exactly. Yeah, time. I yeah. mean, there's, there's a time and space where you want to definitely be networking with your peers and all that good stuff. That's a good, that's good and important. Cause you know, I, I refer people all the time to people I've yeah, met I get a lot of stuff at events. Yeah. However, um, you know, when I want to be, when, when, in terms of business development, am I going to an event, whether it's, whether it's a conference, whether it's a gala where I know that people in the industry that I want to be servicing are, are present, whether it's, you know, even if it's just a talk, there's many different ways you can connect with people in meaningful ways. What you don't want right. to do is be like, consider people numbers or, you know, owners of right. like, and again, look, depending on your industry that you are. But you still, no matter how, no matter how quantity based it is that you do, whether you're selling, you know, widgets or whatever, you want to definitely still look at your customers as the human beings they are. What are they needs? What are they really doing? What do they want? Not just want in their business, but want in their life. And if yeah. you can if you can identify that and articulate it in a way, then you'll develop a good client acquisition process that works for you. Right. No, I think, I think a lot of connectivity, I see a lot of people, they don't, they're like, yeah, you know, I really should join the chamber of commerce and meet people in the community. I'm a, and I'm like, yeah, I know you do a lot of outbound marketing, but if I get something from you and I don't know you, I may not call you, but if I met you at an event and I get information from you, I'm going to, Oh wait, I just met you. And then I'm going to read your stuff and I might reach out or, or say, you know, Hey, I, I need, you need to talk to this person. Yeah help or whatever. And it kind of feeds off of each other. I think people. It is exactly. So that's what, you know, we always say, you know, in, in, in any kind of business period, and it's not just in, in consuming, obviously service-based companies, this is more necessary than say product-based companies, but product-based companies, you can kind of use advertising more to your liking. But the bottom line is, you know, the the expert at hand is the expert that's hired. So if you are a service-based company, you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, well, how do I really, it's not a, you know, it's not a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am situation. You're not going to meet right. someone and say, hey, look at us. We're so fantastic. You want to buy your service? You know, buy, buy our service? Right. No, you want to always, though, be at hand, be in the face, be helpful, be generous, right. be Top there. Yeah, people appreciate that because the timing is not always there. Oh, yeah. Only 30% of the people that you talk to are ready to buy at that time. 
Right. So you have to stay in touch. I'm big on keep in touch. Brian. There's this book I always talk about called Referral of a Lifetime. Yeah. And it's a parable story, like uh, one of the Ken Blanchard type of books, you know, like Gung Ho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The journey of this woman who was struggling and I guess she was in some sort of sales goes to this coffee shop, meets the meets the owner of the coffee shop. And the guy basically introduces her to four or five different people that share different things that they do to keep in touch. When I first read the book, there was no email. You had to send postcards and letters to people and stuff. You had new yes. letters. We had new letters from services. Now it's much easier. You can go on like AWeber, which is my sponsor, or some of the other – I won't mention their names. Yeah. So, But there's other services where you can set up email, sometimes for free for a while – and stay in touch yes. with people, you know, yes, and, and right. people don't really realize, I think, the value of building an email list and building a keep in touch list. You know, also, too, like, you know, even when you're like, obviously, you want to be adding when you're you like using like an AWeber, for instance, and you're sending out your sort of regular weekly, hey, you know, I'm here type of thing. One of the things that I, you know, back in the day before <laughs> email, um, you know, early days, you know, we would have postcards and we basically I'd, I'd spend you know, half my time looking through the business journal, looking through all of the different, you know, um, newspapers to know who's been promoted. Because remember back in the day, all right. companies would say this, yeah, this were, person's been promoted to SVP right. and blah, blah, blah. You yeah. know, I still do that now, not in not in old school way, but in, you know, you can now see when people are moving up the ladder because right, like of LinkedIn, LinkedIn and through other things. And yeah. if someone is moving up and okay, yeah, now it's easy to sort of like send a note into LinkedIn yeah, and say congratulations, but maybe do a postcard or maybe send an yeah. actual email that says, Hey, congrats on your thing. Look, I right. know. And even giving some, some advice on, you know, some free advice on what to consider when you're now in this new role that you're playing right. and saying, Hey, we're here. If you ever need anything, there's yeah, so many ways to be that. generous. Yeah. And be have a touch point and where people really see you as a human mm -hmm. being. And I think a lot of businesses miss that. Well, I can't thank you enough for, Connecting with me, and it was through Podmatch, I think. It was, right? yeah. And coming on the show, you're one of my first live guests. Wow, and I feel honored. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly where we were live, but I'm learning that. So uh, we'll see. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.